Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Riordanverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. Want to know why I'm reading this so fast? It's because I want to get to the fantastic news that us as a fandom have recently gotten because, oh my Jesus Christ, I've just realised I haven't introduced myself, I'll do that quickly. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Disney is getting... No, Disney is getting, Percy Jackson is getting a live action TV show on Disney Plus with Rick involved. Oh my goodness me. Depending on when this episode has come out, I may have already done an episode discussing everything about this and collectively freaking out with a guest. Again, if this has come out before that, then you'll know what I mean later. But I am still shook (laughs) and I probably will be and forever because oh my firstly guys we did it hashtag disney adapt percy jackson actually worked rick i'm so freaking happy for him like the look of absolute joy on his face when he released that video about it oh my god oh my goodness and to all the percy jackson podcasts out there you guys are amazing. We're all going to be collectively freaking out on our podcast. So go listen to Radio Camp Half-Blood, Half-Blood Report, Floor 600, Consult the Oracle, Demipod, and any others that are out there that I may not be in connection with. Go check us all out. Go support us all. Go check out all the Percy Jackson YouTubers out there, like a Reader's World, Book Hunter, I know, is doing some Percy Jackson content myself at a healthy dose of Fran. All of us. We're all so excited. We're all so thrilled. I know you guys listening are excited and thrilled. Um, There is a nervousness, of course, of how this adaption may turn out. But with Rick being involved, like what he released on his his Twitter, that he is doing the outline for uh, the series or maybe even for the pilot. I don't know. We don't know much. Of course, the announcement was only on the the 14th of May. but this is just wild and I am so gosh darn excited and if you guys do follow me on social media either at Best Damn Camp or on my own personal you know that I desperately want to be part of the writing team for this series. I did a whole live stream on my channel a little while ago it was like an hour or so long me talking about all these things that I would love to have and love to do for the series. There's just there's so much potential for this live action and I'm just so so excited and I'm so proud of us as a fandom for desperately calling for this to be done for justice to be done for adaptions of this series and yeah I just wanted to get that out before getting into the new book for well not new book that the 
the follow-up book. So we've obviously we finished The Lightning Thief a little while ago and we're moving on to its sequel today, The Sea of Monsters. And the first two chapters of that book for us to continue our Iordanverse series. I will get back to the Disney adaption thing later on, but of course you guys are here for the read-along and analysis aspect of this podcast, so I shan't forget that today. Because today we begin with chapter one, my best friend shops for a wedding dress, and chapter two, I play dodgeball with cannibals. <laughs> As always, I've got my po- my points to focus on. I'm too excited, I can't even speak. I've got my points to focus on. So today, we've got introductions, character, and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, as always, here's the synopsis. We return to the world of demigods with wedding dress nightmares, stalker shadows, and the sweetest guy in history. With rich punks and terrible teachers, Percy's world is thrown for a spin when cannibals come for tea, ruin things with his new friend, and puts him on the run. So really, it's an average day in the life of Perseus Jackson. And that is the summary for these two chapters, and if that isn't accurate, I don't know what is. Yes, I had... <laughs> Taylor here the other day on the last Percy Jackson related content uh, and his synopsis was fantastic but I'm back and I think I did a pretty good job let's hope uh, so, of course we start with chapter one and seriously I'm so excited to get into this because there are so many things I want to bring up about these first two chapters and just this first chapter as a whole which is chapter one my best friend shops for a wedding dress which, back with the fantastic titles here, Rick, I am proud of you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, but let us move on with the overview for chapter one. A sleep therapist would have a field day with Percy. Grover's in trouble? No, my baby, no. Someone's watching Percy sleep. This boy can't catch a non-weird creepy break. Hey, he's doing well in school. Oh, no, it's not going to last, is it? Sally Jackson is an angel and deserves the world. Fight me, anyone who says she doesn't. Something's wrong at camp. Oh, God. No time to explain, because school. Which, yes, education is important. Oh, Percy has a new friend called Tyson. Love it. Bro TP. Oh, no, we can't have Sally cry. No, I can't take it. No, I refuse. I refuse. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. It's off to school. Oops, stalker alert, stalker alert. Run for your life. And that is the overview of chapter one. And oh my God, we are back. Oh, the world is back. And like, obviously, when I first read these books, I was 19, and all, every, all the books were out. There was no delay for anything whatsoever, so I was able to read one book after another. But when people were first reading these books, and there's like there was like a year gap between most of these books, I think. So to have a year's gap between them, the way in which Sea of Monsters starts is is really good in terms of reintroducing the audience to the world of demigods and the world of Greek mythology in modern day. And it's not done in like an exposition dumpy kind of way, which is why I want to talk about introductions in in this episode. It's because this is the thing that I know, and uh, I know 
oh I'm gonna say her name wrong again uh Murphy Napier I'm I hope I'm saying that right Murphy and I apologize if I'm not um she did a video called Dear Authors on sequels recently and it's all about all these things that sequel books and for some reason sequel books aren't always that good there's so many sequels that you can reference that aren't the greatest one in the series they usually kind of sort of the slump in the middle and I usually agree most series that I have read the sequel book hasn't always been fantastic there are some series like for me Percy Jackson and uh, the Gallagher Girls series the second book has often been like top tier especially Gallagher Girls for me the sequel I preferred to the first book actually as well and I think that's what intrigues me the most about Percy Jackson is that as a sequel story and just for sequels as a whole the introduction and kind of the first few chapters are the ones that cement whether or not this is going to be a good sequel for me if we're reintroduced to the world in such a way where it feels expositionally and we're just being fed all this information just to remind us like ah yes this is the world we are in this is the world that you were experiencing in the previous book I'm just rehashing it out for you here quickly but in a way that you can remember everything and like that is important in a sense because in terms of like books being published there's usually maybe like a year or two between the releases of books on occasion so you kind of need a little bit of reintroduction but not to a huge extent like we know this world now but like it has been a time since we read the first book we just need a small little reintroduction but not have it spoon fed everything that we're already aware of we just need a small little refresher it's like when you come back from the summer holidays when you're at school and you have like a quick refresher class or like a few a 10 minute refresher at the start of a class of what you did last year or what you did last in that class and stuff like that or even just in classes in general like if you have one class a week the next week you do like a five minute refresher at the start or something like that that's kind of all the start of a sequel needs is that quick little refresher and Percy Jackson's Save Monsters does that perfectly because we open with world building and world building techniques and character of people who are going to be both important to this story but also were important to the previous story so with us opening with Percy having a dream about his best friend Grover this reintroduces us to the main character to an important plot device with the dreams for this sort of world building like magical lore sort of element for demigods of having these prophetic dreams that are important for the plot we also have just like a really brief mini paragraph summarizing what Grover is like him being a satyr because again we have that bit of a gap between the first and second book we need a small little yes he's a satyr uh, we went on a world saving journey last year with this girl called Anna Beth it was actually it was like maybe two sentences and that's it that's it that's done we've got that information we know who Grover is we've had that quick little refresher We've had this world building element of the dreams. We've had this this sense of getting back into the world of I don't even know how to describe it other than like it basically just being this quick, we're getting into it, we're getting this world lore for it as well, because we've got the prophetic dreams, we've got the satyrs, and then we've got a monster chasing 
Grover and Percy even describing the smell of a monster and the fact that all monsters have this smell I can't even remember what I think is he described it as a skunk who lived on Mexican food or something like that um but having that description and having this remembrance of yes there are monsters in this world there are there are dark creatures who go after other creatures in in this mythology in the modern day world um and so just these things we're getting these descriptions we're getting these these plot related elements of grover of percy and their relationship of what happened last year of connecting to the greek myth in this world and it's done so well that you just kind of you don't feel like you're being told you are being shown which is a really important writing device which is something that i do feel sequels can often fail with is that they're telling us everything that happened previously for us to remember to be able to move forward with with this book of like oh yes remember the things that we learned in the first book here it is again okay now we're going to go into the story whereas this we get we get it shown to us with one or two lines explaining who grover not even explaining who grover is just giving a quick one to two sentence line of oh yeah this is what we did last summer we saved the world and again i'm seeing grover running from something scared in florida and stuff like that it's just it's just a really good reintroduction to a world and to its characters without feeling like we're being spoon-fed it's not pandering to the audience i think that's the thing here it's it doesn't pander which is important for me in terms of being a reader and especially an older reader as well with me being like I'm turning 25 this year and so many people always say to me it's like I I don't understand how you can still enjoy Percy Jackson at this age because it's a book written for nine to twelve year olds I think the thing is that yes there are elements where it's kind of like okay yeah this this element is clearly written for kids but what is good about this writing is that it doesn't pander to that young audience it doesn't like dumb things down which i feel some books that are for kids often do it treats kids like they're idiots which is insulting to kids themselves but percy jackson doesn't do that which is why older audiences can still enjoy the story and i kind of went off on a tangent there but that's the thing about introductions it's just that i feel like they can occasionally treat the audience like they're ready it's like oh yeah i know you read the book but i i'm assuming you've forgotten everything because you're dumb so let me just tell you all it again whereas with this it helps us get back into these characters get back into these character relationships and it reinvigorates our investment in their story and this story and what is to follow which is incredibly important because if you haven't grasped your audience again for this world pretty much in the first page what why would they be invested in reading the rest so to have that i think is it really works and to go on to that whole character element this whole first chapter is very character centered which is important because that's the whole thing about percy jackson for me is that it's a story about people and people's relationships and their relationships to each other and how those relationships impact their actions like this is the thing especially for percy i think this episode is very it's a a really good reintroduction to percy as a character 
as we know from the first book, Percy's friendships and his relationships have always been a big focus and of importance to him and to his story. And this story that we're having, his connections to people are what drive his actions. In the last book, his mum being taken was what drove him to go to the underworld. But by the end, it was his relationship to Annabeth and Grover that led to him deciding, no, I need to save everyone. I need to make this sacrifice to save everyone because these people are important to me. This camp is important to me. So I've got to do the right thing here and not be selfish. And we're getting that again in this first chapter of his relationship with Sally, his love for this camp, like the happiest place in the world that he knows other than being at home with his mum his friendship with Tyson um, which comes later on in the next chapter as well and even his empathy I think from the character growth we got in The Lightning Thief it carries on here which is something I know sequels can often do is that they revert character growth sometimes it makes sense as to why a character has reverted usually based on what has happened in the end and I think Percy technically could have reverted in his in his growth as a character and it could have still worked like he was betrayed by Luke he was nearly murdered by Luke someone he considered to be a friend and that could very easily have led to him failing to make new friendships because he believes that they could betray him at any point that could have still worked for his character and it would have made sense in this context but the fact that he hasn't the fact that he he has seemingly continued to grow as a person in this year between the last book and this one for the new summer um i just it just makes so much sense and i really i really like it like to have like his dream about grover this anxiety he has for his friend and then the concern for what's happening at camp when we learn that there is a, the possibility that Percy may not be able to go back because there is a problem at camp. We feel this connection to everything that he's saying. We're slowly remembering everything that happened in the book for the people who obviously had that big gap between the first and second book. We're beginning to remember this connection to this place. We're building up our connection to Percy again and these emotions that he's feeling we begin to feel them as well and then again like I said we get this empathy with him as well when he continues to he starts to push his mum a little bit to try and get answers about what's happening at camp and he stops when he realizes that if he continues to push he's going to start crying so he stops and it just shows that his growth that like he knows when he needs to stop which considering he was such a persistent character to begin with in the lightning thief i like that we get this moment in this book where straight away he has this empathy at the start he knows when he needs to stop pushing people and it's just it's just really i think it's really interesting to get this straight away in the first chapter and even to have this new friendship with this kid tyson who gets upset when he he's underground alone and uh, he's clearly a very emotional child um and from what's going to happen in the next chapter as well i just i just really like that we are getting to see this sort of new side to percy in a sense but a side that makes sense because of what we learned about him and what we experienced with him in the lightning thief and of course just sally as a whole is an angel 
and deserves everything in the world. And you're going to find out even more so why I believe that in the next chapter. Speaking of the next chapter, let us move on to that now because next up is chapter two, I play dodgeball with cannibals. I feel like Brooklyn Nine-Nine got this episode from... I got their episode. I don't know what I'm talking about. I watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine recently. I started re-binging it during everything that's happening. And uh, there's the episode where Jake is in prison and he befriends a cannibal, which is uh, funny and interesting. And it just made me think of that. (laughs) The play Dodgeball with Cannibals because Jake befriends a cannibal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Chapter 2, I play Dodgeball with Cannibals. Here is the overview for that chapter. Private schools seem pretty terrifying. My god, I'm so glad I never went to one. Tyson is literally breaking my heart. Oh my goodness. Percy is also such a good guy. Got to love the school bully. I remember mine. How the turns have tabled, dear nemesis. Look where I am now. Am I better? Yes, I am. Sally is literally the greatest human being in the world. Well, as someone who never experienced dodgeball as a class, I can say that I hate it with a fiery passion. Yeah, you got, you got to love cannibals, though. They sure love you, but probably not for the reasons that you want them to. I don't think you'd want a cannibal to love you. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Tyson, oh, wait, what on earth is happening here? Annabeth? Amazing. And Percy's on the run again. Jesus, this boy cannot catch a break. And that is the summary for chapter two. I played dodgeball with cannibals, which is literally, it was an intense chapter. A lot happened. And I'm intrigued to see where we are going to go next. But this was definitely, I find, to be a character-centric chapter. And you guys know how I feel about character-centric episodes? Chapters? (laughs) I love them. That's where I was going. I love character-centric chapters. And this has been a very character-centric episode for sure. Because where we are going with this is to start with Sally. Because literally, Sally is the best mother. Even to kids who aren't her own. This whole section of her literally going out of her way to try and protect Tyson like contacting social services kicking up a fuss to get him protection and safety like my mum is basically like I think this is why I it's not one of the reasons why I love Sally but this is like my mum in a nutshell she goes out of her way to look after other people's kids not because like the parents can't but she just loves helping people and she loves looking after people uh, maybe the nurse side of her, I don't know. And um, just to put in a NHS, love and support you guys. Uh, but I don't know where I was going with that. But um, lots of safety to the NHS workers. I don't know if anyone who is from the NHS will be listening, but if anyone is, you guys are amazing and rock stars and deserve a lot better. Moving on from that uh, quite politically charged message, I don't even know where that came from, but... Uh, seriously just Sally is incredible she she knows Tyson's story is sad in general the fact that Sally is going out of her way to try and protect this child is amazing that she is the true 
MVP on this whole series and does not deserve it doesn't deserve deserves more recognition as a character 100% and to move on to Tyson because I want to get through his character discussion fast because literally Tyson's character makes me want to cry whenever I talk about him because oh while we like we don't get too much about Tyson himself in in this chapter but what we do get is kind of an interesting but dark introduction to his story and the fact that he is an abused child and this is going to sound weird saying abused child and then what I really liked about that (laughs) but what was interesting about this introduction is that and this is what I like about Rick's writing is that he doesn't shy away from these things because like obviously this is a really this is quite a dark storyline like Tyson is a homeless child who lives in a in a refrigeration box in an alleyway has no family has nothing and Rick doesn't shy away from that whatsoever he doesn't shy away from the fact that like Sally is truly fighting to try and get Tyson to safety and get him out of that place and I don't know if like if it was intended but it it has this sort of public service announcement feel to it in terms of like bringing awareness to abused and abandoned children it's probably mainly relating to things that happen in the US but it's a, it's a problem everywhere so having this awareness of like this does happen to kids this is a reality in lots of places in the world I think is a really interesting thing to bring awareness to and we're only two chapters in which is madness but I like how it's mentioned again I say like like I like the the use of it I don't like it because it's a horrible thing but what I do like in terms of the story is that Tyson is basically only at this school that Percy's at with the rich brats and the private school and all that sort of stuff to make these rich brats and the school feel good about themselves because he's their community outreach project which is the term they actually use in the book and that description alone was like heartbreaking for me because this is a kid who isn't considered to be a human being but just a project like he's just a project to him and there's even a mention in this chapter of Tyson doesn't even know if he'll be allowed to come back next year or if, if the school will care enough to bring him back next year this is his, this is the only time he's been in the school this is the only time he's been getting an education and to have him kind of start to get upset about this idea of him not knowing if he will be back to school next year is really quite upsetting and it sucks because this is a thing like education is important and I know I say that a lot whenever I do mention education stuff but education is important and there are lots of people who do do miss out on education so having this brought up I know obviously Rick was a teacher himself so I don't know if this was intentionally brought up in that there are kids who don't have access to education like most people do and this is just him highlighting that or, or what I feel like there's probably facts in that because that's what rick does he does subtly and also overtly bring attention to these things in his writing so i can totally believe that this is his way of bringing awareness to this education disparity in the world 
Oh my god, this has gotten way too politically charged. This is this is intense. But <laughs> but it's it's an interesting thing that comes up with it. And Dyson himself is something that kind of he continues to show this this sort of message in a sense as well. Because he, he is an emotional kid. He he struggles to understand his emotions, he struggles to understand other people. He doesn't know his own strength, he doesn't understand his weaknesses and kind of just doesn't really have an emotional capacity well he does but like he he doesn't kind of understand it if that makes sense now there are a few headcanons out there um that i've read that people code him or seem coded as um a kid on uh, i think is this still oh i don't know um uh, on the autistic spectrum i think is that if that's not the term that's used now because i know there are a few different terms that i used i apologize um but i know there are headcanons relating to that and i, I think it's a really interesting headcanon like obviously i don't i don't know much about um autism or uh asperger's or, or uh, people who are neurodivergent in that way so i don't want to go too much into that because i don't want to be uninformed when discussing this but it's something that is an interesting headcanon and thought towards Tyson's character and I feel like it could possibly fit based on the limited knowledge that I do currently have of, of uh, people with that neuro am I saying it right ne- neurodivergent um I, I can't think of the way to phrase it. I apologise, I'm not the best way in, in phrasing this, but in terms of other characters, so obviously we've got characters in this book who are dyslexic, ADHD, and all these sort of things that I've recently learned. So I didn't actually know the term neurodivergent until quite recently, where with obviously the whole Percy Jackson live, a- live action coming up, people have been saying to remember that these are all, these characters, every character in Percy Jackson is neurodivergent in terms of being a demigod and I had to look it up because I felt bad that I didn't know considering that I myself am dyslexic dyspraxic and have dyscalculia I had no idea about this term being neurodivergent I quite like the term actually because it's it doesn't I think the whole thing is whenever I've coded myself as not coded myself referred to myself as dyslexic and dyspraxic it's always given with a a negative connotation of oh this is this is a negative thing that I have it's something that brings frustration into my life because it's it's a problem I have this problem it affects me in many ways but you're neurodivergent I think sounds like a better term so I, I I'm gonna have to look more into it and it may be something that I'll bring up in future when we get more references to the dyslexia ADHD and these sorts of elements but in terms of Tyson being described as or, or headcanoned as neurodivergent in terms of possibly autism again not knowing too much about that I think it'd be an interesting thing to see discussed maybe even in the live action or or just kind of having that explored a little bit more in in the series as a whole in terms of Tyson's character because it, it's something that's really big about him and we'll see that as we go more into the book itself that these traits of Tyson's, they're, they're just kind of a part of him. He doesn't necessarily change. Like, he does, like he has his own character growth in terms of him being a character and his own sort of arc in a sense as well. But 
he himself doesn't change he still stays this kind person so it'd be interesting to see and again i'll try and do as much research and if you guys yourself have um a deeper understanding of uh this neurodivergent um elements or about autism or asperger's that you would like to talk to me about um if you don't want me to read it out on on the podcast just let me know but i'd love to be more informed about this if anyone can give me any information but i would try to be more informed in future when it comes to things like that so yeah if you guys have any information be sure to share it with me because i would love to uh learn more about this and be more informed um <laughs> sorry again i've gotten so deep with this podcast uh, uh, this episode well not even this episode I'm, i go really deep with this entire podcast as a whole i think this is just the thing with percy jackson it's just this just so much that you can understand and study of this series that goes deeper than just the surface level even the surface level itself is deep without having to go into the story at the level in which i'm doing for this podcast I don't know it's just it's it's a really interesting thing but to go back to characters and I want to finish off again with Percy for this particular chapter because chapter two I think introduces an interesting thing about Percy's character that is going to play an important role for for this book as a whole in that Percy like Percy is literally the greatest guy and he's just a great guy in general but honestly I do enjoy in a way that we get this frustrated element of his character in relation to Tyson because it just kind of makes sense not because of it being with Tyson but of him being a friend getting frustrated with another friend because he is glad to be friends with Tyson and look after him and just be friends with him and care about him and worry about him like like he has worries about Tyson like he makes this promise of him to him that everything will be okay and then he has this anxiety afterwards of like how can I even promise a kid like Tyson who is literally homeless that everything will be okay like how can I promise that is that even possible for Tyson and so that that frustration and that that anger and that sadness of that that idea of that struggle in their relationship is is important because it shows that he really does have this deep care for Tyson but then also his frustration at their friendship and being and Tyson being so dependent on him it's it's just really quite relatable like he's irritated but he does it because he's a good guy but this irritation is just human like he stands up for Tyson even if sometimes it's in the wrong way and yeah we're not going to mention the word that was used or even kind of go into that because different time just not going to focus on it because no but he tries like Percy tries to be a good friend and a good person for Tyson even if there are moments where he is frustrated like the fact that he always has to stand guard when for Tyson to be able to change privately and he's learned that he can't not do it because otherwise Tyson will get upset and like break things and to have this whole irritation but also this care for a person it's just it's such a real friendship related thing because like like i know i was the exact same way with at school like i had quite a lot of people who depended on me in terms of like uh like at university i was often the person who led group studies or set up 
group rooms for us to all go do uh, essays and coursework and stuff like that um i was always asked to look over people's work in terms of edits and stuff even though i myself was not academically inclined it was just more that i was always way ahead of schedule because i wasn't academically inclined because i had my dyslexia and dyspraxia i had to do my work so far in advance so I would have the opportunity to be able to get um, the people who had to support me at university in terms of um, this learning disability. I needed to do everything so far in advance so I would have the time to edit it. But I was always helping other people at the same time as well, even though I kind of needed more support. And like, yeah, no, it was irritating and sometimes at, at some points when I was having to basically kind of lead these things, even though I was struggling. Like, to this day I'm still kind of peeved that I didn't graduate with a first considering how hard I worked I was one point off a first which is like top tier degree level um I was one point off and like there were lots of people who I helped who did get that first and it's sort of like that crushing feeling of like I'm I'm so incredibly happy for you to get this but at the same time I'm irritated because I did so many things to help and I, I wasn't able to reap these kind of benefits as well in the sense of I didn't do as well. I like it's those things like the way in which these things sound, it sounds like I'm bitter and angry. I'm annoyed obviously still about that that final grade because I put in so much work and I don't have the academic number to show it. And then people who I helped do have that academic number to, to show it. So it, it those things sound better. And the way in which the book shows it of Percy being irritated, you can feel the sort of annoyance at Percy of like, you're just helping someone feel comfortable getting changed. Why are you getting annoyed about it? And you can take that take from it. But at the same time, you look at it deeper. Even I can get annoyed and peeved with my best friends. Doesn't mean they were not still best friends. I think that's that's the deepness of this work is that there are so many things about this series that at a service level you can take in a different way but to look deeper into it there's another way of seeing it which is the way in which I feel is intended you can feel frustrated at Percy for being frustrated at Tyson or you can see that Percy is just a teenage boy who is human who can be irritated that he doesn't have the level of freedom he wants to because he has to look after a friend because wouldn't you be like that as well i think there's this thing here if you apply everything that percy has had happen in this chapter to yourself you probably feel the same way and i think that's what's really interesting is that percy is just such a human character and everyone in the series is such a human character even though they're, they're only half human technically or half mortal at least and yet everything that they do you can apply to yourself and you can identify with what they do i just think it's it's just a really interesting deep dive into these characters into this these understandings of characters and that that is those those are the two chapters for the start of the sea of monsters and just as a whole these two chapters as an introduction to the sequel and to the following series just such a great way to go like i said like sequels can always be a bit of a hit and miss usually and the start 
can often showcase that. But these two first chapters give us insight to these characters we remember from the first book, introduce a new one, someone different and interesting, as well as all the dramas that come with this new relationship, with this world that we're going back into and the, the complications that can come with that. I think it's just I'm really interested to get into it and considering Sea of Monsters actually used to be one of my least favourite of the five I'm already excited and invested in the story when normally I wouldn't have been like the Sea of Monsters used to be the book that I would speed through and like okay move on to the next one my favourite one but looking at this at a deeper level there are things of Sea of Monsters that I'm really interested to get into and I hope you guys are interested into hearing my thoughts on those elements but <laughs> to finish up let us, let, 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 let us move on to what you guys really want to hear about and that is the fact that I 100% should be part of the writing team for uh, the Percy Jackson live action on Disney plus if you want to understand why go watch my um, live stream on YouTube but I'll also be doing a bunch of videos with the things that I kind of really want to see and really want to develop in the live action series so if you aren't subscribed to my youtube channel a healthy digital friend yet be sure to go and do that now but let's move on to the thing that you guys always want to hear but just a little bit before that and yes no i'm gonna leave you guys hanging again um i uh firstly i want to apologize i've actually had a bunch of reviews on apple podcast um but unfortunately <laughs> I didn't see any of them because apparently my Apple podcast app doesn't show reviews from outside of like Europe and the UK which is really irritating so I think all these reviews that I got are possibly from people in like the US or or Canada or, or maybe even like New Zealand or Australia or somewhere um but they're basically if then they're, they're not from europe or the uk that's basically where these reviews are from so i apologize that it's taking me so long to read out these reviews and truly i do appreciate every review and rating that is left for my podcast um i love every single one of it i love that you guys are leaving ratings so to read out these these reviews and so you guys to no, if you want to leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts, be sure to do so and i will read them out and check more frequently on uh, online where i can see outside of europe and the uk so the first review from apple podcast is from solanjo for life awesome i love how you got inspired by demipod demipod is great and you definitely hit the nail with yours i love the pun in the title from the titan's curse keep up the great and creative work Oh, thank you. You know, I the pun I couldn't help myself. It was uh the it's the it's the best damn joke in Percy Jackson. And Titan's Curse is my favorite book from the Percy Jackson the Olympian series. So how could I not? Um, and yes, Demipod are oh, they. Brayden is just amazing, and um, hoping to maybe do a, a joint episode with him in future um and yeah basically all the Percy Jackson podcasts were a huge inspiration for me to set up my podcast I am forever grateful then from Piper oh god Piper's picks is average oh I hope I got that right I'm sorry um <laughs> hey I really like this podcast but I also like the Greek gods book and I'm a child of Athena 
Oof, yeah, no, I was not kind to the Greek gods book. I, <laughs> I'd apologise, but, you know, you got, you are all welcome to your own opinions, and if you disagree, that is perfectly fine. And yay, another child of Athena. I am also a child of Athena. I just joined the Hunters of Artemis, so mother was not proud. <laughs> um, thank you for your review. Then from Hudson, a pair of wild emojis that I hope mean something positive. Uh, and yes, they they sent some pretty interesting emojis. So there's uh, a gasping face with wow, and then I think the other one is like a happy cheering bunny, but I'm not too sure, and that could just be my dyslexia playing with me of I just don't understand. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate these reviews, guys, and the ratings that came with. I think all of these were like four or five ratings I didn't write them down but I think most of them are like four or five so yes I appreciate every rating and a review that comes for Apple Podcasts and it helps me and the, this podcast be found for every rating and review so if you guys are able to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts I truly do appreciate it now to move on to the part that you guys definitely have been waiting for first up is the song of the story which today is faded the piano version by Alan Walker. I don't really know why this song, I think this was the song that played for the majority of my reading and it just, the lyrics themselves don't really fit but just the sort of the tone of the song especially for the things relating to Tyson and Sally being upset and Camp in trouble, this just really fit for that element in terms of that sort of grief like feeling. So yeah, Faded by Alan Walker is the song of the story today. But to get onto the questions of the episode, let us get the answers for last time's question of the episode, which was, who did you think was the thief when you first read The Lightning Thief? From Avatar State Yip Yip. At first I thought it was Annabeth because she had the invisibility cap and was on Olympus. That is completely justifiable, I, I can see that. From Adam Halfblood. I don't actually remember, but my friend started reading it and she thought it was Grover. Let's just say she was very upset when her fave character was the one to portray. Oh my god, I feel that. I I don't think I ever thought it was Grover, but I can see why people would have. Uh, from Floor 600, oh my god, Quinn and Ashley, you guys are wild. Uh, just because I want to say it. Annabeth was the true lightning thief. Maybe she masterminded the whole thing just to get to Percy. You know what? You guys are going to start some fandom wars and I am coming after you both if I'm the one who gets in trouble because you guys started this. <laughs> um, then from Valkyrie Magnus Bolin Weasley. That is a lot of fandoms and I appreciate that on many levels. Um, I thought it was Zeus pretending to have lost the lightning bolt to start a war because 10 year old me thought Zeus was really annoying. That is fair because Zeus sucks <laughs> and I could totally see him pretending to have lost something to try and start a war. It would make a lot of sense. So I I am with you on that one. Now of course no, I don't always get every answer that is uh that is left on Instagram on our pages so if you want to see the others go check us out on Twitter and Instagram and see the posts relating to this obviously there was the one for 
the episode with Taylor but uh, again I can't get too much of that there so if you want to see the answers to do with the movie that is also on our Instagram but to go on for today's question of the episode what are you looking forward to us analysing in the sea of monsters and that of course will be posted on our Instagram and Twitter or you can email us your answer if you want to go in depth and please do email if you can because I love getting emails now as always I want to thank you guys so much for joining me for today the start of the sea of monsters monsters (laughs) join me next Wednesday as we continue our Ryan Aldenverse journey now to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on Spotify where you should drop us a follow Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and review Audio Boom, Stitcher and Deezer in the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and on Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your own thoughts and to freak out about the Disney Plus adaption for Percy Jackson, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com, and I'll read out your thoughts at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran, where I should hopefully be able to upload audio for the podcast on there soon. Along that note, be sure to check me out on YouTube as well at A Healthy Dose of Fran for more Percy Jackson content. And drop me a follow on my personal Instagram and Twitter, A Healthy Dose of Fran on Instagram and at A Dose of Fran on Twitter. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always... I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.